Now, the word of the Lord today is an interesting passage. If we were to think of the heroes of faith where we could get a lot of help for living, we would think of Hebrews 11, wouldn't we? All of our Sunday school heroes are listed in there. The high water mark of faith is that chapter in the New Testament. But Agur is a name that we hardly recognize, yet it's at the beginning of the chapter that we have read from today, Proverbs 30. He's a little-known figure in the Old Testament, but he introduces to us four small creatures, rather unappealing things, to give us wisdom for the last days. And if you're one like myself who reads through the Proverbs every month, a chapter a day, according to the date, you have read these words many times, and perhaps they never really made the impact that I pray they will make upon you today. The ant, the rock badger, the locust, or the spider, or the lizard. The NIV says lizard. The modern language says lizard. The living Bible says lizard. The Revised Standard Version says lizard, so it must be lizard. I like them better than spiders anyway. So that is the last one, lizard. Now, none of these creatures are highly desired for pets. I don't know anybody in this church that has ants for pets. I know a lot of you that are trying to get rid of them. I have my little can ready under the sink. All the time, you think you've gotten them and they appear on the other side of the house. Ants. I don't know too many people that have rock badgers as a pet or spiders. My wife's standing on chairs trying to get me to get rid of them. She hates them. She won't even take a Kleenex and get rid of them. I have to do that. And then I tantalized her with the Kleenex. <laughs> How many men do that? Ah, oh, good. I knew I had company. None of these are very desirable in and of themselves, yet they teach us wisdom for our time. We read it, didn't we? They are exceedingly wise in our A to Z series, The Wisdom of little things. We first look at the ant. Learn to plan ahead. Say it to me. Learn to plan ahead. The ant works today for tomorrow. Now there are people in this fellowship who live in the past. Not too many, but a few. They can only talk about yesteryear. And we love them. But not the ant. He will not live in the past. He knows the devastation of it. There are others among us who live only in the present. They are like that company referred to in the Bible this way. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. All we have is Today, fill it full and go to bed with a headache. That's that group. Many of them are out there today doing exactly that. 
There are those who live in the future never making today count. That's wrong as well. They're the group that has as their theme song, when my ship comes in, or when I get the big break, or I get the new job, then watch me, and it never happens. Probably never will. Because that's not the way God designed life. The ant works today for tomorrow. The Bible puts it this way. In the summer, they're preparing their food. Why? Because winter is not far behind. This is the winter time of history. There is no question about that. The world is a boiling pot. We are repeating the prophecy of Isaiah by calling evil good and good evil. We are living in a time when good people are harassed who desire to make the community better. Standing for something right today during the winter time of history can get you burned at the stake just like in Nero's time. And not too many are willing to stand the smoke and the heat of the flame. We have a man in our church by the name of David Woodell. David is a dear friend and brother, member of this church who believes in standing for what's right. You may have seen his name in the paper, seen him on television being interviewed because he gets himself into hot water. But he does it because of his convictions. And I wish we had a thousand David Waddells in Sacramento. Right now, he's in a battle with the News and Review, that little paper that says free at the top. And they print their smut and their dirt and their sordid ads. And they have even put me in that paper on occasion lied about me without asking me the truth. And people sit in restaurants and all over reading the news and review, filling their minds with unbelievable stuff. And David Waddell finally said something has to be done about this, and all the Burger King places around took them out, and it made news and review furious. And I would like to recommend to you that because it says free copy at the top, wherever you see them, pick as many as there are up and deposit them in the nearest receptacle as soon as you can. It is time to declare war because winter is upon us. And we've got to work while it's summer, if there is any summer left. They have threatened David Waddell on the telephone they have threatened his wife with rape, his daughters with sodomy. It is a common thing for him. They have attacked his business. But David, God bless you. The ant teaches us what you are teaching us. You see, the David Waddells of our time want a better tomorrow. And they know if they're going to have it, they've got to work today. They've got to get the job done now. Now, what about the wintertime in your life? 
Now, things are well with you, huh? Your health is good. Your job is fine. Everything looks rosy. But what about wintertime? It's coming. It comes, it comes to everybody. The Bible has a word for us. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't watch out, winter can visit you before you realize it is just around the corner. And the summer can pass you by. Look at the ant. Haddon Robinson commenting on the ant said, ants attend picnics, but they don't relax. While you are sitting back drinking a long, tall glass of iced tea and munching on a hamburger, the ants are carrying off the sugar one grain at a time. If you don't watch them, they will be back for the potato chips as well. They are always at it, working, straining, carrying the load. Instinctively, they know they must use the summer to prepare for the winter that is lying ahead. Look at the ant. Are you ready? Why are you waiting? Why did you come to church if it was your intention to reject Jesus? Why take the time? If it's your intention not to live for him, then why did you come here today? That is what amazes me, that people can take the time to be in church and yet not meet the Lord of the church while it's summertime and have to wait for winter to hit them lying in a hospital bed or at the foot of a bed where a son or a daughter is mangled by an accident, asking God for a miracle. Today is the day before winter comes. The ant tells us that. One of our grandsons, Luke Michael, loves insects. He has one of these pets, his name is Max, that's about this long, his tail is humongous puts that thing on his shoulder and slaps him in the face with his tail. He needs to get saved, but he never gets saved. I asked Luke Michael if his Max has gotten saved yet, and he says, no, he's still mean. He puffs up these gills, and he looks like the Jurassic Park number three. Scares my wife spitless. She just can't stand that thing. I mean, when it looks at you, you think you've been had. There's no question about it. But one day he didn't come in. It was getting dark and the folks looked out and he was lying on the sidewalk on a warm summer night as darkness fell with his face right next to the sidewalk. And when they checked on him, he'd been laying there 30 minutes looking at ants, studying ants, just watching the ants. He learns from those things. Just intrigued by their industry and what they could do. Now the Holy Spirit says, to the church, learn to plan ahead. Don't be like Belshazzar who had the writing on the wall. You are found wanting and the words ring through history. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. He never intended for that to happen that day, but winter came just like that. Plan ahead, folks. You don't know how many more Sundays you've got. Yesterday's paper portrayed one of the finest football players in the country from Cal Berkeley who hit a tree. And now 
He can't speak. His eyes just opened the other day for the first time. Whether he will ever walk again, only God knows. But he certainly won't be playing football this fall for UC Berkeley. You never know. Hear the preacher today. Be exceedingly wise. Study the ant who plans in summer for wintertime. That's what church is about. We've come together to get a hold of God for the winter that is surely just down the road. The second creature of this proverb is the rock badger. Learn to make wise choices. Say it to me. Learn to make wise choices. These rock badgers know how to hole up. Psalm 104.18 says that the high hills are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. They are about the size of rabbits, but with smaller ears and shorter legs. They are a feeble folk, it says here, or are creatures of little power. So how do they fare? Let me tell you how they fare. If the eagle with that powerful eye sees a rock badger from way up there, and that eagle wants a rock badger, they're going to have to knock the whole mountain down to get him. Because he hides in the crags. He knows how important it is to make wise choices. He doesn't try to do battle with an eagle. He doesn't try to do battle with other beasts of the field. He knows where his safety is and his security is, and he finds it in the rocks and the crags of the mountains. And if you want one, you're going to have to take the mountain down to get him. Now, what does that say to us? Where is your security? Where is my security? Oh, well, I've got everything going for me. I'm well, and God is good. But that's about all we hear from you. I'm talking about a daily, living, vital, close relationship with God. You can know about God. You can know where blessings come from. You can cite the Ten Commandments and the Apostles' Creed, but you must find your security in a daily relationship with a living God. That is the only security there is in today's world. Now, the other day I was with a couple from our church who has a little child just toddling around. It has one of these things in its mouth most of the time. And I heard them call it a binky. You know, you forget these things after a while as you get older. Binkies. And then I remembered my grandkids' blankie with the satin on the edge. Securities, that's what they are. And the wise parent knows better than to leave home without them. <laughs> Blankies and binkies. You know there are some blankies and binkies in the Bible. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. <laughs> 
Oh, glory to God. For by you I can run against a troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. Not through L.A. workout. Pressing 305 pounds and there's nothing wrong with it. I wish I could. But my security is found in Psalm 18, 2, Psalm 18, 9, Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Why? He is my blankie and my binky, all wrapped up in one. And who of us does not know Psalm 27, 1? The Lord is my light and my Salvation! Oh, I love that! I can rub that until I go to sleep. If you have the wisdom of a rock badger, you know where you must be and in whom you must trust. Stop getting into the danger zones of life and learn where your security is. Nothing can harm you when you hold on to your security blanket and your binky. Thirdly, learn to hang together. Say it with me. Learn to hang together. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in rank. Just the opposite of so many nations. We have leaders, but we don't advance in ranks. We're divided. Totally divided. What are you by yourself? Have you ever asked yourself that? What am I by myself? Whatever mark Paul made in history, you must say that he did not do it alone. If you would like proof of that, just look at Romans, the 16th chapter, which is the last chapter of that great letter, and look at what he has written if you think he did it all by himself, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister and servant of Christ. Verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Verse 5 talks about Eponidas. Greet Mary, verse 6. Greet Andronicus and Junia. Greet Amplius. Greet Urbanus and Stachus. Greet Apellus. Greet the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman, and the household of Narcissus. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet Rufus. Greet Asnacritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes. Greet Philogus and Julia, Nereus and his sister and Olympus. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Everybody do that. No, no, don't do that right now. But just think about Paul as he says, I am not alone in this, and I thank God for every one of you who stand with me in the faith. Hallelujah. The locust teaches us to learn to hang together. We are a body, a community of believers. What makes us such a threat to the devil? It's not when we're all alone. It's when we're standing together. 
It's not when we're out there saying, oh, I can worship God by myself anytime, anywhere, and don't do it. It's when we literally, by choice, come together to be part of the army that's attacking the gates of hell, and we will prevail, the Bible says. We are like the locusts who band together, realizing they can never, ever stand alone for very long. I've read in the paper about Nebraska, where my boy lives, and the locusts or grasshoppers that attack the farms and the fields. I've read of $500 million disasters overnight where these creatures, not alone, not one, one, you can stamp on it and get rid of it. But they band together by the thousands and millions and they can rip a whole farm down overnight. We are dangerous together. We're very weak alone. You know, this is Old and New Testament because the Old Testament talks about the covenant people of God. Moses didn't go before Pharaoh and say, let me go. Who are you? He said, let my people go. He knew there were over two million of them out there, Pharaoh did. And that was big business. In the New Testament, it's called the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You cannot be a Christian alone. You are baptized in the company of others. You take communion in the company of others. The locust isn't much of a threat alone, but it can destroy entire communities when it gangs up with its friends. How are we going to tackle Sacramento and all of its problems and all of its ills and all of its sins one way, together? When tonight your favorite program is over and it's just about 5.30 and the devil says, just stay right in your chair. Leap up and say, no, sir, I'm going to be like a locust. I'm going to get with my family. I'm going to be with God's people. I'm not going to be thrown around by you, enemy. I'm going to stand with God and with God's family. I'm going to go and get stronger and stronger by fellowshipping with my Christian friends. And maybe you can bring somebody with you. Have you got the picture of the locust? It's in our hymn book. Take your book, number 558. Open it, everybody. 558. Stand up. We're not through yet, but we're going to sing. Isn't that nice? A glorious church. I want you to look at verses 1 and 4 with me as we sing. We're talking about the importance of banding together. How we can tackle cities for God. Together. If we will but understand the New Testament principle, two or three gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Sing it with me. Do you hear them? Do you hear them? Do you hear them coming, brother, thronging up the steeps of light, clad in glory, shining garments, blood-washed garments, pure and Without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Tis a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Wave the banner, shout his praises, for our victory is nigh. We shall join our conquering Savior. 
It's a glorious church, and it's victorious like the locusts. Fourth and last, learn to keep trying. Say it with me. Learn to keep trying. The lizard. There is a place for you. God calls the nobodies of this world to follow him. One of the maladies of the church today is that people are giving up. The pressures are so great. The enemy seems so subtle, never more subtle than he has been in the past, but he seems that way as he knows his days are numbered. But listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. There is a place for you. Lizards teach us that. They get into king's palaces. How do they get there? They don't give up. They get into visiting ministers' rooms in foreign fields, like Pastor Cole in the Philippines, there to preach at the Bible school, laying on my bed. I am suddenly aware of movement in my room. And I look around and I see these green things everywhere going up and down the wall. Lizards. How did they get in there? The door wasn't open. I didn't see any great cracks, but it doesn't take a great crack for a lizard to get in. They will force their way in to kings, palaces, or ministers' rooms. You know what I had to do? Learn to live with it. Learn to sleep with it. They were all over. Amazing. A lizard would have the nerve to try to sleep in the same room that I'm sleeping in. <laughs> Made no difference to them. You know why? They know who they are and what they're supposed to do. And they go about it with a tenacity that many of us need to emulate. There are no ordinary Christians in God's view. He underscores that when he says, one day we're all going to be like his son, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? So there are no ordinary Christians. Every one of us will be like Jesus someday. And we've got to make sure we keep a tenacity about our service until that day comes. We cannot get up, give up or give in. An author from England was interviewed on television. He had published 400 books, which is a remarkable thing. And he said that his record for speed in writing a book that was published was 23 books in one year. He wrote two a month, almost. 
in one year. So the interview asked him about his beginning as an author. This was an interesting question. Was the first manuscript you wrote published? No, he said, no, no, no. I had more than 700 manuscripts rejected by the publishers before one was ever accepted for publication. That caught my ear. 700 rejected before one was published. Now what about the average Christian in America? God has forgotten me. He doesn't care about me. It's not fair. Why me, Lord? Can you imagine how tired God gets of hearing that? When he's there with all power and all might and all love and all majesty ready to do exploits and we're fumbling around trying to figure out what game it is we're playing. So here comes the lizard to teach us something very wise. Never give up because God always wins. When I got home from prayer meeting last night, I found the cathedral quartet on one of those little old cable stations, and they were singing, we win because the last chapter tells me so. And it was a great song that one of those guys wrote about what they found out in the last chapter of the Bible, that we win, and neighbor, don't ever forget it. You belong in a king's palace. And if you don't quit, that's where you're going to end up. Love God and love people fervently. A sergeant over a company of soldiers had to take his company from Malta to Egypt through wet and muddy conditions, finally arriving. They were exhausted and went to bed for the night. However, one private in that company knelt quietly beside his bed to pray, as was his custom. The sergeant over the company took offense to this display of devotion and reached for one of his wet, muddy boots and hit the private over the head with it and took the other one and smacked him upside the face with it. The soldier's face stung, but worse was the humiliation. Despite the treatment, he never got up. He continued praying. It wasn't until after the sergeant went to sleep that the young soldier paid him back. When the officer awoke the next morning, he found his boots beautifully polished and standing neatly beside his bed. That was the private's reply. While the sergeant slept, he fixed his boots, the ones that hit him in the head and the face and humiliated him. You know what happened? The sergeant said, it just broke my heart. And he became himself a radiant example of God's love. There it is, friends. The story of the lizard. With love you conquer. You keep at it. You don't give up. When hit, you stay at it. When abused, you stay and serve God. And it just may be 
that your act of love and devotion and stick to will be the key that God uses in the door of somebody's heart. We are living in a day of giving up. People quit school because it's too hard. People quit marriages because they don't seem to be all that their dreams envision. God is saying, be like the lizard. Be exceedingly wise. They find themselves in king's palaces by not giving up, by being industrious, and by continuing to try. Poor creatures that are very small. You can't sit at their feet and learn because you can't find their feet. But you open the Bible and you learn by the Holy Spirit how to become wise. Hear the word of the Lord today. Observe the ant. Look at him and prepare now for winter. Get to this altar. Today, winter is coming. Surrender today. Winter is coming. The rock badgers know where their security is. It's not in things. Who cares what happens to the stock market? Is that the first thing you read on Monday morning? Your security has to be in a living relationship with a living God. And look, if you will, with the preacher of Proverbs at the rock, or at the locusts, who have no king, but they band together and they conquer together. Stay close to the church. The greatest enemy of the devil is the church and people who are together. Believing together, moving together, hearing God's voice together. Steady, steady, steady. And look at the lizard who finds himself in unbelievable places because he just will not give up. He holds on until the answer comes. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer and nobody please leaving for a moment? Father, in Jesus' name, simple verses, simple truths. Every time we come through this passage, they leap out at us now that we understand what it is you're saying to us, some powerful, eternal things. Help us, oh God, not to leave this church today determined we're going to do it the way we see it, but the way you see it and have ordained it should be done. To live our lives to the glory of God and to the upbuilding of your church on earth. Move over this audience. There are people who have been about to give up. Life has hit them hard, but may they remember to be wise. Some have not been preparing for winter. Let them go out of here today determined they're going to get ready for tomorrow. Father, some have trusted in other things rather than finding their security in you. May we find the rock of ages today. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, teach us, teach us how to live, to please you, to honor you, and to touch our world for your glory. While our heads are bowed and this service rapidly comes to a close, may I ask how many of you would raise a hand and say, Pastor Cole, 
I don't think I'm where I need to be with God. I, I needed this message today. I've been trusting other things. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Why not today? What are you waiting for? He's the best thing that ever came along. I want you to raise your hand and say, would you pray for me? I just need him today. Lift up your hand wherever you sit. Hold it there until I see it. God bless you. I see hands going up all over this place. Thank you, thank you. Back through here, over to my right, way back there to my left, upstairs. God bless you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I want to trust Jesus. Uh, without breaking this atmosphere, stand with me. I just want to give these people an opportunity to come down here to the front, kneel, and others that need to come. You're just feeling a little bit weak, perhaps. And those of you who raised your hand, we'd like to help you and touch you. It would be good if you'd step out as we sing the closing song. Before we dismiss this meeting, just to have you come, let us pray with you. Let us have those people who know God kneel with you and ask him to help you and touch you. Please do it. Don't go away. And if you need water baptism, over by the flag, you can be a part of tonight's testimony meeting by water baptism, which is the responsibility of every believer. As we sing, would you come? I want to meet you here. Just come, please, as we sing.